Well, good morning. How we doing, Thrive Church? Man, it's great to have you guys with us today. And I'll quickly, before we jump into the new series, uh, we have the Connect Gathering for all new people, whether it's your first time or your 400th time. If you've not connected with Thrive beyond just sitting in a seat, uh, if you want to be a part of a small group, a serve team, find out more about Thrive, then make sure today after the service in our cafe, we're having the Connect Gathering, we have child care, and yes, we have snacks available. Um, so that way... Uh, you'll be able to not have your stomach growling during that time. So all excuses are absolved. Well, we're in a series uh, called, uh, called God at Work, and we're going to the next four weeks, we're going to look at the book of Jeremiah. It's a really lengthy book. There's a lot of common themes in it. So we're going to break these themes down into four weeks. And here's my prayer for you. Here's the reason we do these series. It's so that you will say, hey, look, I think I will go try to tackle the book of Jeremiah now. I think I have some understanding that I can now have enough um, understanding to jump in and make sense of what's happening, because I sure didn't when I first tried to get through it, uh, when I first gave my life to Christ. And so I'm excited about this series. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 2 this morning. Jeremiah 2. Thank you so much for this. Uh, everybody needs a, a Sprite while they preach, don't they? Well, this Sprite here has a little story to it. So as many of you know, you guys know my health journey, is that when I initially lost like the weight that I lost, I actually factored in that I needed to have a Sprite every day, drink Sprite every day. And so I did. I'd have a Sprite at lunch every day. I could not fathom eating lunch without Sprite. I just had to have it. And so um, what happened was I started really getting, really just focusing on my goals and fitness and numbers and just, I got so entrenched in that that I realized this the other day. I don't remember the last time I had a Sprite. I cannot tell you the last time I had a Sprite. Because over time, what happened was I got so focused on this other thing that I just kind of like didn't even want it anymore. And I can't tell you like on June 13th of 2020, I just stopped. I don't know when I stopped drinking Sprite. I don't know when the desire went away, but it did. So here's what I'm going to do today. For you in here and you on broadcast today, I can't remember the last time I had a Sprite, so guess what? You'll know the last time I had a Sprite. It was July the 10th, 2022. <laughs> the reason I share that story and do this is, is because that's kind of what the message is about today. It's not dealing with Sprite, of course, but it's dealing with the children of Israel. And they can't tell you exactly when it happened or the date or the experience, but they slowly over time just fell out of love with God. And so what happens is God sends this guy named Jeremiah, who they, they call a prophet in the Old Testament, and Jeremiah comes to Israel, and this whole book is a very lengthy book. It's pretty much him on God's behalf pleading with them to come back to God, to not face the consequences of their decisions and what they're going through and what they're doing. When God designed us, he designed us for human flourishing. When God gave the Ten Commandments, he gave them not to restrict us, but to help us live the most fulfilled lives. That's why he says, have no other gods before you. Why does he say that? Because he knew those gods couldn't satisfy and that's exactly what Israel did over time. And so God sends Jeremiah uh, around 2,600 years ago. When Jeremiah first came on the scene, things got real good real quick because he teamed up with a king. There was always a prophet and a king named Josiah. And Josiah came in and he cleaned house. He came in and said, we're getting rid of all the idols, 
All your idols you've set up, we're getting rid of them. We're crashing them. And Israel had one of the biggest revivals and reforms they've ever had spiritually. But over time, just like with Sprite and me, can't tell you when or exactly how, but Josiah passed away, other kings took over, and over time, they started giving themselves over to idols again, going the way of the culture, serving the way of the culture and the world around them. And God sends Jeremiah there. And Jeremiah, what's unique about him, he has probably the most unrewarding ministry of any prophet, right? It's just so unrewarding. Like he, at one point, they take him, we're going to see this, they throw him in a cistern. That's a dry well. That's not a sister, like a brother and sister, brethren and cistern. But it's a, some of y'all forgot that. It's a dry well. They throw him in the bottom of it. And he's like, hey, repent, turn back. And he's like in a well. And people are walking by like, hey, that sounds kind of weird. I wonder who that is. That was his ministry. His name actually means appointed one, Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah did not get to see any fruit in his ministry. Matter of fact, what his ministry was, he told them to do something and they did the opposite. Kind of what it is being, being a parent, right? <laughs> and all the teenagers sheepishly go, <laughs> and that's what his ministry was. And so when we open up in Jeremiah chapter 2, what you're going to see is, is he is calling them, and he's back to the heart of the Lord, and you're going to see God's tone in this and God's heartbreak in this because they have turned away from the living God to serve worthless idols. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Then the Lord gave me another message. He said, Go and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago how you loved me and followed me even through the barren wilderness. In those days, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of all his children. All who harmed his people were declared guilty and disaster fell on them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob, all you families of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them astray, astray so far from me? They worship worthless idols, only become worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us safely out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness? A land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and death where no one lives or even travels. And when I brought you into a fruitful land to enjoy its bounty and goodness, you defiled my land and you corrupted the possession that I promised you. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who taught my people ignored me. The rulers turned against me, and the prophets spoke in the name of Baal, wasting their time on worthless idols. Therefore, I will bring my case against you, says the Lord. And that's what the book of Jeremiah is right there. If you want one verse, it's what, kind of what, what it is. God's like, hey, look, I need to have a talk with you, and here's the list that we need to talk about. That's what Jeremiah is all about. He says, I will even bring charges against your children's children in the years to come. Now, what he's speaking there of is uh, the, the exile they had was going to last 70 years in Babylon. They were going to be pulled out and put in Babylon for 70 years, and that's what he was talking about there. He says in verse 10, go west and look in the land of Cyprus. Go east and search the land of Kedar. Has anyone ever heard of anything as strange as this? Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. 
he makes a great observation there. God says, okay, so when you go to these pagan lands, are they trading their idols for other idols? And the answer is no. They're faithfully serving their idols. They believe there was the rain god. They believe there was the, the, the sun god. They believe there was a the fertility goddess. Like they, and they faithfully serve those idols. He says, they faithfully serve their idols, and you've traded me for worthless idols. He says, the heavens are shocked at such a thing, and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Uh, anytime you read Scripture, you've got to pause, and you've got to look at the tone that's being said there. You know, when you read emails, right, or messages, you, you try to figure out the tone of the person, right? Like, that's why the little smiley faces help out a lot. Because you can say, you know, one thing without a smiley face and say it with a smiley face, and there's something totally different. Well, here, if you could put an emoji there with what God's writing, it's the angry face. Now, not the angry with the cursing, right? Because that's God, right? Your little red, orange face. With the but it's the angry face. God's tone is anger, it's heartbreak, and it's destitution. And here's why. Because God knows that the only way they'll ever find full satisfaction is in Him and they're chasing worthless things outside of the realm which he has given them for human flourishing. He wants them to flourish. He wants them to succeed. He wants them to prosper. But they have traded him and gotten rid of him for the things they think are going to fulfill him, fulfill them in their life. And I want you to understand this today. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is very important for us to know what we have to take away from it today. And it's this here. Falling out of love with God means falling in greater love with idols. Falling out of love with God means that you're going to fall in greater love with idols. Just like with the Sprite. I mean, you know, again, July 10th. Might be July 10th of next year, next time I have a Sprite. I can just, you know, my wife, side the bar here, my wife's the first person ever who told me, it's like, when you drink those things, can you feel the sugar coating your throat? How gross is that? I'm like, no. And now she's right. My wife's right. I can feel it. Thanks, babe. You've ruined me. I can't tell you when, uh, you know, I gave that up. And for some of you, where you're at, your dual relationship with God, you can't tell when the love kind of fell out. You can't tell when you begin to walk away from God or get very nominal in your faith. But if you're honest with yourself today, you can say, yeah, I'm probably more in love with other things than I am God at this point in time. And so when you think about this, when you think about idols, because idols aren't just little trinkets. Like, to, I probably wouldn't go to your house, hopefully, and you wouldn't have, like, the, the sun god and the moon god and the fertility goddess. Like, that would be easy just to get rid of those things and get them out of there. But we have a problem with idols in our lives, especially in America. Now, the question we got to ask is, what's an idol? Because when I gave my life to Christ, here's what I was told an idol was. Anything that you put before God, which is... I understand that face by, but then the sermon said this, anything you spend more time on than prayer, it's an idol. And I just give my life to Christ. I was new to the faith. So I just, anything the preacher said, I just believed at face value, right? Many of you aren't like that day. Many of you are sitting like, yeah, whatever, dude. You got to convince me. Like, I, I didn't grow up in that era. Some of you didn't. So I thought about this. I played video games more than I prayed today. That's an idol. And I would set a timer. And every day I had to pray more than I played video games. So if I played an hour of PlayStation, I had to go to my, my prayer closet for an hour. And eventually, if, I, I just couldn't keep it up, right? That's a lot of prayer. 
for a young person. Like, yeah, so what I did, what I do? I went and burned my PlayStation at a big bonfire. This is an idol. I had to get rid of it. Well, I enjoyed playing basketball. So guess what I did? I, I went and played basketball for an hour. <laughs> and I went and I couldn't, I, did, I only played 30 minutes that day. It went on for a few more days. You know what I did? I stopped playing basketball. The list goes on and on until finally, like, I was like, how do you do this? Like, I don't understand, like, like what do you do in life? So I just pray all day. And I work. I can't do that. And then I realized and I've come to study what an idol really is. It's not that it, maybe if you watched a Netflix episode and didn't pray as long, then that's an idol. That, that's not what it is. An idol is this here. I want you to write, write this down. An idol promises to fix a problem that only God can fix. An idol promises to fix a problem or give a solution to something that only God can give a solution to, only a problem that He can fix. So, for instance, don't you think about this? Like, it's our pursuits in life. If you think this thing, this, like, you know, if, if, I, if, I, if I do this, this gets rid of stress in my life, right? I'll never forget this. Is this when I had the realization of what an idol was? I told my friend back when I first gave my life to Christ, I was smoking cigarettes. And he had stopped, and I said, I just got to have a cigarette, man. I'm stressed out. And my friend said, what can that do for you that God can't do for you? I was like, you got me. He's like, so God can't alleviate stress for you? And then I realized it's the pursuits. Idols are pursuits of where you go for the things that you think you need in life. The things you think are going to fix that problem. Think about the pursuit of security. You know, money can be an idol. Money's neutral. Money's not good or bad. It's the love of money that's the real. Money's not evil. My wife tells me that all the time, right? She loves it. I don't love money. I love what it can do. Well, you know, what it can buy is what she tells me. But money's neutral. The money's not good or bad. It's the way that you leverage it. And if you look at for money to be your, your security, if you look at money to bring you happiness, if you look at money to bring you joy, if you think if I had a little bit more of it, then that becomes an idol to you. If you can't give it away, if, you don't, if, you don't have a, if you're not consistently giving, money's an idol. The only way to dethrone that idol is be generous. That's the only way to do it. And so money could be an idol for you. The first idol ever was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree was just a tree. But Eve was convinced by Satan that she could get something from that that she couldn't get from God. God was holding out on her. That she needed that instead of needing God. Somebody got that. The rest of you will get it over, over lunch today. And so what? The first idol ever was in the Garden of Eden when she went to that thing instead of understanding that God is the source of everything to her, that he can give her all the wisdom and knowledge and everything that she ever needs. She was convinced that that thing could do it for her. That's what an idol is. Your pursuit of pleasures in life. If you believe that the pleasures will give you something that God's holding out on. If God, if God loves me, so he, he'll let me go pursue these pleasures, even though Scripture says it's wrong. And that's where we get in trouble at. Because then we go to idols looking for them to give us things that they can never give us. It's the biggest bait and switch ever, guys. The first clickbait ever was in the Garden of Eden. And Satan's been doing it every time since to us, saying, you know what? If you just had this here, that's going to fulfill you. 
That's going to give you something that God, that's why you're empty inside. And then we go to that thing, and guess what happens? We feel even more empty. And then if it's an addiction, if it's something that's shameful, like, for instance, pornography, this is what guys get into. They go to that thing, they look at it, and they feel even worse afterwards, and it starts this cycle of depression. One of the, one of the things, let me say this too, to, uh, and I'm going to be real with you, uh, for teenage boys that suffer with depression, you need to check their internet browsing history. Pornography breeds depression in men's lives, especially young men's lives, because it, it's just shameful to them. That's what the enemy does. And so if he can get you to that trap where you're going to that thing over and over and over, that idol to fulfill you, and you just feel less fulfilled, then eventually, eventually he can just render you void of serving God. You'll just give up because you feel so worthless. And that's what happens to us with idols. That's what happened to Israel, and that's what will happen to you, and that's what's happened to me in my life too. We're all going to go through that. But here's my fear today for us, man. If you guys are checked out or thinking about lunch, or you guys are in, in some of the land right now, here's my fear if we miss this. If we miss this, then we will slowly, over time, replace the living God with idols who never satisfy. Over time, over time, you'll just slowly replace God. And then you'll look back at your life, and there's, there's, not, there's no worship even when you have pleasures of life, and God gives you gifts. He gives you good things to enjoy, doesn't he? Like, that's what I didn't understand about idols. Like, when I was at the beach a few weeks ago, just sitting out there looking at the sound and just hearing the birds, what did I do? I paused and I thanked our Creator for, number one, this awesome gift of creation. And then if I'm at the beach, I'm thanking Him for the, the pleasure that He's given us by being good to us and giving us that. Amen? Like, that's a good thing. And God wants us to enjoy it. But for us, many of us over time replace God with those things. If I just had some more, I just need this. I feel empty if I don't have that. And this is what Jeremiah said to them in chapter 2. He says, has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And he compares it to this, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. The God who satisfies. The God who makes you full. And he was totally hurt and angered that they had traded for that. Why? Because he had been replaced? Uh-uh. Because he wanted them to have a life of flourishing, and of, of abundance. He had promised them this in Deuteronomy through Moses. He, he saw the ceiling for them. And then he saw what idols were doing to them. And it broke his heart because they can never satisfy. You know what a cistern is? It's that you pour stuff into it and it continues to seep out. It can never be full. And that's what idols do to us. I just need some more. I just need more attention, more approval. I need more of this. I need more of that, more money, more security, whatever that is in life. And that's my fear for you and I. And can I tell you that like in this verse here that's what stuck out of me, he said, even my priests haven't noticed. The Old Testament, the Jewish priests, they were like going along with it. And, and there's a point in time in my life that I was looking to ministry and to church to give me something that only God could give me. 
And, and, and what happened to me was this. I became very depressed, very discouraged, because I kept looking for people and for numbers to give me approval, to give me self-worth. I was going to that well over and over again, and I would try to dip from it, and there's just nothing there. It's a cracked cistern. And I was playing this game. I would have a great day at church. I would leave. I'd scroll on Instagram and see my buddies' highlights, and their churches looked bigger. They had more people that day. And guess what? I got more and more depressed to the fact that I wanted to quit ministry. And what Satan was doing to me several years ago was what he does to all of us. He said, if I can get him discouraged enough and get him uh, distracted enough, I can get him to quit, to just stop pursuing God altogether. And here's what I realized. I had a, a book I was reading one day by Henry Nouwen, and the question was this. He said, the more you've been in ministry, are you more in love with Jesus today than when you first started ministry? And I sat there, my jaw dropped, and the answer was no. The answer was, the longer I had been in ministry, the less love I had for God and the less love I had for people. I'm just being honest with you. And I had to totally reshape and reframe how I was doing everything. And it all started with this message right here, that I was going to cisterns to try to get fulfillment in life. Can I tell you, at this point in life, like I, I, I just love ministry. I enjoy being here. Um, I don't care if there's five of you or there's 50 or 500 or what, whatever. I, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I just don't even care. I just love showing up and seeing you guys. And, you know, we're seeing most of you. Some of you I really don't want to see on Sunday mornings. I'm joking. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, but, but I had to come to the place that you cannot give me only what God can give me. Church numbers, growth, success, bad, whatever you want to call it, cannot give me what only my Heavenly Father can give me in a personal relationship where I'm pursuing Him. So what I had to do was this. I had to make some changes in my life. And it's hard. I know life is busy and it's difficult, but, but here's the thing that you and I have to do. You've got to choose either cultivation or complacency, but you can't do both at the same time cultivation or complacency, but you cannot do both at the same time. So I had to make a choice. I found myself in Jeremiah chapter 2. This is just, that was my life. I was, I was pursuing things that could never fulfill me. It was always what we call chasing the ghost. And I had to pause and I had to repent of the idols that I had set up in my life. I had to pause and I had to, re repentance is not a bad thing, guys. Repentance is refreshing and it's renewing. And I had to get on my hands and knees and say, God, forgive me for making ministry an idol. And what God did, when, when I said, Lord, help me with this, what God did was he gave all of y'all COVID throughout the world to help me. No, he didn't do that to you. <laughs> but COVID was a great equalizer to cut me off from all of that. When we were shut down for four months and had to come back, and I just looked at the Facebook memory from two years ago. We had our first, like, physical gathering. That was 30 people, 25 people that were in this building when we first did it several years ago after COVID. The Lord cut me off from looking out there to say, that's where I find my approval, from certain people showing up. And the Lord began to help me make a choice in my life. And here's the choice I had to make. Either I'm going to cultivate a relationship with God, 
or I'm going to be complacent with it and let idols just take over. And I had to make the choice of cultivation. And this could be true of any relationship in your life. If you're ever wondering with marriage or with a friendship or with anything, where did it go wrong? Why is it not where it needs to be? You can say, I've either been complacent or I've cultivated. Cultivation is when it's like taking care of a garden. You go in, you till it, you pull the weeds out of it, you're caring for it, you're tending it. That's what cultivation is. And that's what we should be doing in our relationship with God is cultivating that, opening the scriptures up, letting the Lord search our hearts daily and speak to us daily. We should be in active worship. And when you do, can I say this? When you're in what we call sanctified pleasures, you know, like, like God gives you pleasures in life, and you have those pleasures, even eating a good meal is a gift from God, amen? amen. Somebody else say, yeah, right, right? There's one person, God, the rest of y'all don't like, okay, the rest of y'all are just, okay. Eating bad food is a gift from God. Yeah. The rest of y'all should have said amen. But even when you sit down for that, you don't say grace so you can just stuff your face. You're pausing and thanking your creator for this pleasure that he's given you to enjoy. And that's cultivation. It's seeking the Lord. You're cultivating. You're in marriage, this is true as well. If you don't like where you're at in marriage, you've got to cultivate it. You've not cultivated your garden. The reason Adam and Eve gave in to idols, the reason they chose the tree of knowledge of good and evil, is because they let a snake into their garden. They were not cultivating and tending the garden like God told them to. If you find snakes in your marriage coming into your marriage, if you find those things coming into your relationships and they're breaking things apart, you've not been cultivating that which God has given you, right? Protecting, weeding, keeping. I have this stuff called snake away, Dr. T's snake away. And we have, uh, you know, copperheads all out in, in our backyard. I remember mowing one year and they were like babies everywhere. And guys, I hate snakes, right? Listen, the, I mean, even rat snakes, it takes everything within my, my, my soul to say, I, I don't know if it's a rat snake or not. I said it cut its head off. And I go out and I spray Dr. T's snake away. Stuff smells bad. I mean, I don't know. Maybe just a pure smell keeps the snakes away. But I, I spray that all over our yard to keep the snakes out of our yards. I don't want my son bitten by a snake. If he goes out back and gets bitten by a snake, it will not be, be because I didn't cultivate and work that to make sure I kept the snakes out. That's the same way in any relationship, especially your relationship with your heavenly Father. So here, here are two thoughts today on cultivation. Two thoughts. The first is this. To get what you once had, you had to do what you once did. To do what you want, to get what you once had, you've got to do what you once did. Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is speaking to the church um, at, at Ephesus here, and he says this. He says, but I had this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. You've lost your first love. And can I tell you, it's okay. It's going to happen. If you're, if you're sitting there feeling shameful and feeling like, oh, man, you're, yep, you're beating me to death today. This is not to beat you down. This is to encourage you. If it happens, this is why I tell you the story of me. If it happened to me and it happens to me and I'm a pastor, it's going to happen to you. So what do you do when that happens? Jesus didn't say it's over with. He said, you've got to make some changes. He said, do what you did at first. Think about when you first gave your life to Christ. 
Think about the joy that you had. Think about you were willing to accept any cost it was to follow Jesus. Think about how beautiful the scriptures were when you opened them up and you could just spend just hours reading. You listen to worship music. If you want what you once had, you've got to do what you once did. We're not in a marriage series, but same thing is true of your relationship with your spouse. If you look back and say, we don't, we're not, we don't have what we used to have, you're not doing what you used to do either. You've gone complacent. The same thing is true of your relationship with your Heavenly Father. What did you do at first? Jesus said, return to that. And that's what you and I have to do when we find ourselves in a place in Jeremiah 2 where the idols have slowly taken over our souls. And then finally this morning, to get what you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. It says in Jeremiah 2, verse 2, go and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago, how you loved me and followed me even through the barren wilderness. He speaks of their ancestors. They, most of these guys had never done that. This is way too many years past. So some of them have to take notes from their ancestors and say, you know what, I've got to start doing something I've never done before. I love God. They love God through the barren wilderness. I'm surrounded by all this goodness, and I'm falling away from God. The same thing with you. Sometimes in your relationships, especially with God, you've got to do something you've never done before. Maybe you've never fasted before. Maybe you've never skipped a meal and just prayed during that time and read the Bible. Maybe it's fasting for you. Uh, for you, maybe it's an addiction that you have that you're just scared to live without. And God's saying, you don't have to live like this. Maybe it's pursuits of life that you've gotten into or ideals or ideologies that you, but I'm not sure what it is for you, but God's going to ask you to do something you've never done before. If you want to get to a place you've never gotten with the Lord, you've got to do something you've never done. Institute a new practice you've never instituted to cultivate that relationship with God. This message is to, is to encourage you. Because here's the thing, God sees your ceiling. God wants your ultimate joy. That's why he gave the 10th commandments. He knew that idols would never fulfill you. He says, don't commit adultery. Because that, that's never going to fulfill the longing of your soul. They don't covet your neighbor's wife. That's not gonna, like he goes through on and on. It's not to keep you from things. It's because God sees your ceiling. He knows. He created you. He knows what we need for human flourishing. And it breaks his heart when we trade all that for worthless idols. It's almost like imagine you have a chance to, to eat a steak or dog food. And God sees us going after the dog food. And he's like, ah, oh, guys. You know, Keith Green, one of my favorite songwriters, I really got into Keith Green, not because his music was like cool, because I was into punk rock. If you know Keith Green, he came up in the, in the, in the Elton John era, so like, like that Billy Joel, Elton John era, was like pianos and singing, which is really hokey today for most people. Like they listen to it, like the young people are like, oh, what is that? But Keith had a chance to be in the secular world, but chose to follow Jesus. And he wrote a song that really convicted me. I loved his music because it convicted me. And, and the lyrics were this. He says, you, I found that you love the light of your TV and you love the world, and you're avoiding me. And the whole song, the whole course was, you love the world, and you're avoiding me. I'll never forget listening to that over and over again, saying, man, I've, 
the longer I followed Jesus, I realized the more I was falling in love with the world, the more God was on the back shelf. Today, what is that for you? What's the Lord saying to you? What do you need to do that you once did? And let the Lord speak to you and show you maybe it's something you need to do that you've never done before to take that next step in your relationship, but to cultivate that rich relationship so you can find ultimate enjoyment in our Creator. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Father, we need your help with this hefty message today. And God, you were speaking this to your children, children of Israel, 2,600 years ago because you wanted them to experience your glorious goodness. You saw them, Lord, eating dog food when they could have your steak, and it broke your heart. God, today, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, putting idols in front of you, of over time replacing you with worthless idols, Lord, thinking that these other things will solve the problems of life when only you are the one at the root that can meet the deep longings of our soul. Father, today I ask for every person in here, those watching online, that I don't know what the longing of their soul is, but may that longing of their soul push them to you, not to idols, Lord. May we hear your truth in Scripture. May we hear your voice in our hearts calling, calling us and drawing us unto yourself, Lord. We love you, God. Thank you that you had a man like Jeremiah in Scripture that you sent to pursue people who are running away from you. You're a good God. And thank you today that you are pursuing us, Father, in here. You're running after us, and some of us are running from you. Thank you for your goodness in that. And today, church, as we're in this mode of prayer, in this sacred moment, something that some of you need to do is to do something that you once did. Some of you need to renew your faith in Christ. You walked away. You've been dormant. You've been complacent. And today is your day to return to serving the Lord, to leave your idols. And for others of you today, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've got to do something you've never done before, and that's give your life to Christ. Surrender to the Lord. No matter what camp you're in today, I want you to pray this prayer after me. And it's this here. You say, God, I admit that idols cannot solve my problems. I admit I'm a sinner. And today I turn to you, God. I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he died on the cross. And I believe he rose again on the third day. So today I turn from my old life. I repent and I give my life to you, Lord. Forgive me of all my sins, and thank you, Lord, for redeeming me and for saving me. In Jesus' good name I pray.